Welcome back to another episode of Route 150, a ministry of FBC New Hamburg. In our first series, Pastor Sean took us through a 31-day study on how to view anxiety in a biblical perspective. And now in this new and second series, Elaine is going to be talking to us about the foundations and importance of the gospel using the Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. We're going to be discussing what exactly the gospel is and how it impacts our everyday life. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are on to podcast number four. And I honestly can't believe that we're already at podcast four. It seems like just yesterday that we started doing these. Um, But I really enjoyed it. And I am pumped for these next two chapters because they were convicting to my heart and to my soul. And um, rereading them has really been a great challenge for me. And I hope that you'll enjoy them, too. Um, So yeah, we're in chapters number um, five and six this week. So page 16 and 17. And again, my, uh, my shout out for the, for the podcast today is if you haven't gone and gotten the book, A Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent, you gotta go get it. I know I, I probably sound like a broken record here, but it is like a billion times worth it. It's really good, really simple and great gospel truths. But kind of before we get into it, um, as I've mentioned in many, many a podcast, Nathan and I have been married for, what, nine months now? Yep, Nathan's shaking his head. Yep, it's been nine months. And we got married in August of 29th, 2020. We are COVID uh, wedding people, which was, we are very thankful we are actually able to have a wedding. And it's funny because we thought we had like, really known each other well before we got married and we had developed some similar habits but we noticed that once we started getting uh like once we were married and you know spending all of our time together we realized that we started picking up really unique characteristics from one another and I was I was talking to Nathan about it today I was like hey like what characteristics do we share now and within like a second he was like well I don't wear construction orange anymore <laughs> because we're married and, you know, I have not only a pair of Birkenstocks, but I also have a pair of Blundstones. So like my shoe game, he didn't say this, I'm abbreviating for him, but like my shoe game is on point. Uh, I don't think he would, oh, he's giving me the face that he would never say that in the world, but that is what I would say. And then I was like, oh, well, I guess I've started, you know, watching Jeopardy for fun and get really uh, in, invested in all the Jeopardy players. And I play Sudoku now. And sometimes I use big words and know what I mean when I say them. And so slowly as we have been uh, living together, it's just we start picking up habits from one another. And I, this is probably nothing new or, or mind-breaking. And those who have been married for much longer than nine months are like, oh, you got nothing on us. Like, wait till you hit the like 10-year mark. Then you can say how you've developed weird idiosyncrasies. See, I just used a big word and I knew what it meant. Anyways, uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. Chapter five, transformed by glory. And his whole premise here is just about beholding God's glory uh, and and full transparency. I We all kind of use the word glory, but I was trying to figure out like the right definition for it. Like if I had to explain it to a child, what were the words I would use? So I may or may not have Googled the word glory. And the definition I'm going to go with for today is is uh, glory is basically just the great beauty and majesty and honor. 
And I thought that was pretty fitting and kind of all encompassing. So that's when I say glory that those are like the adjectives that I'm thinking of. And there's a couple like main times in the Bible where God's glory is really revealed to humanity. And the first one is, I think the clearest one would be for Moses when Moses is is talking to God and in the presence of God and his face actually shines once he leaves the presence of God, like like a physical, his face is like a light bulb and the Israelites see that there's like a hardcore difference between his face before he was in the presence of God and afterwards. And then the one that Milton Vincent really talks about in chapter five is the verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And again, kind of just a shout out that if you have like a hardcore Bible, not a hardcore Bible, if you have a hard copy Bible that you should uh, be underlining things that seem important to you, and this would be a really good verse to underline. I'll read it for you now. It says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. And so Paul kind of goes on to say that if I want to become what God wants me to become, then I have to behold him and behold his glory every day. And the like easiest and the probably the most simple way to behold his glory is a lot of what we talked about in a previous podcast. You know, when you see something like Niagara Falls or you see a beautiful forest or you see uh, just God's creation and it like hits you and you're like, oh my goodness, God is amazing. Uh, there's the verse in Psalms, I think it's 19.1. And it says uh, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. So just like when you see the world and see all of the beauty in it, you can't help but see the glory and the beauty and the majesty and honor of God. And I think that is uh, one way that is really simple to behold the, the glory of God is to just look around us and see just the amazing things he's done just on a very physical level. And that in itself uh, should really make us just want to worship God and, and thank him for, for the things, the good things he has given us, but also remind us of his power and who he is. Uh, and that's a really simple way to start beholding the glory of God in your everyday life. And I think we often as Christians try to do that really well. But another way that Milton Vincent Uh, says that we can behold the glory of God is actually just thinking through the gospel. And there's a couple verses um, in 2 Corinthians 4 and I think 1 Timothy 1.11 that use the phrase um, basically of the gospel of the glory of God or uh, in the 2 Timothy or the 1 Timothy 1, it's as the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. And so basically saying that the gospel is like uh, a representation or a manifestation of God's glory. And so I had honestly never thought of the gospel in this way. And and I know it's a a term that we often use, like the gospel of the glory of God, but I hadn't processed really what that meant. And so I was trying to think of what some examples are, like how is God's glory revealed in the gospel? And I started to just think through like the aspects of the gospel, like the fact that God was willing to come to earth shows his glory. The fact that God was able to live a perfect life shows his beauty and perfection. The God, the fact that God was faithful to the cross shows his glory. The fact that he was able to defeat death shows his majesty like across everything. And if you kind of start thinking through that, the part, the different parts of the gospel 
and you think, how does this show God's majesty? How does this show God's glory? How does this show God's beauty? And it it is amazing because that's honestly a habit that I've never gotten into before to specifically look at the aspects of the gospel to see how it shows his glory. Uh, just something I never thought to do. And it it's really amazing. Even you look through the life of Christ and you see like the ability to perform miracles, his care for children, his care for um, marginalized people. All of it shows his amazing glory. And the time that you take to really behold that glory, behold who he is, behold what he's done, changes how you yourself act and changes how you yourself um, just live. Just like when me and Nathan got married, my person started to change because, you know, I start started playing Sudoku, little things like that, that I didn't even really notice I was doing until we sat down. And I was like, hey, whoa, that's different from what I used to do. Because the more time you spend with something, the more time you spend with someone and thinking through things, the more you become like that person. And that's the same principle that beholding the glory of God would do for you is the more, be- the more you behold him, the more you become like him and it slowly changes your actions and your thoughts and your behaviors and your heart. That's what the fruit of the spirit is, you know, like growing in love and kindness and joy and patience and mercy. And I'm sure I missed a couple, but that's really where a lot of this starts is it's not huge, big steps. Like I have to change every part of my life. Sometimes it's really simple, just like, okay, today I'm going to think through how um, the life of Jesus showed God's glory and just really all day think through that and be amazed by it and be incredibly happy about it because when Christ did that, it changed the whole game. It changed everything for you. And that's something to spend time thinking on. And and sometimes our spiritual walk can be as simple as taking time to think through things like beholding the power and the glory of God. And so that's one uh, main way that we can really be transformed is by just beholding God's glory. And the next chapter that Milton Vincent has is talking about being transformed by trust. And I have to admit, this one really, uh, it tugged at my heartstrings because it's so true. He kind of starts off with the premise that when we sin, we're sinning because at our heart, there's a little bit of distrust towards God. When we sin, we're kind of like, God, do you really have my best intentions right now? Kind of. Like when you have, when your baby's saying a kid or, or maybe you have kids and you tell them, hey, you can't have that cookie because you're not going to enjoy supper later. And in that moment, the child that you're taking care of is like, what? No way. You don't have my best intentions at heart. If you loved me, I would have this cookie now. And uh, if you have a really smart, manipulative ch- child, then you will know that this is often what they will do. But not me. I never did that. No, I was a perfect little angel when I was a child. But you know that so often like little kids or like when a, when a child goes and they want to touch the burner because it's pretty and red and it looks really cool and you have to tell them, don't touch it. That's a horrible idea because it's going to hurt you. And they just don't necessarily trust that that's true. And I think that that can often be us when we're sinning. 
because in that moment we think that God is holding out on us or that God like loves us, but he, he just kind of wants us to live a really boring life and not do what we think is fun. And this has been true since like forever. You go back to Genesis three and you have uh, the fall of man and Eve and Adam in that moment are just doubting that God has the best intentions for them. They think that God is withholding something really good from them. That beautiful fruit that was good for the, that was beholding to the eyes and, and looked like that was something very appealing. And we all see how that went. It didn't, it didn't go amazing. But when we believe that the gospel is true, we're also saying that like the God who came down to earth to love us, to live a perfect life, to die for us, to to defeat death for us, which is amazing. He did that sacrificially and out of love. And so then when we're taking that thinking so that, okay, God came down to earth. He loved us. He died for us. He did that out of his love. Then that same God is also the one who gave us um, a way to live. And that that way of like living was born out of a love for us. I, I don't know about you. Sometimes that's really hard to to grapple with. And again, I think that almost everyone listening here, if you were writing a test and the test said, does God love you? You would click yes. And then if the test then went on to say, does God have the best intentions for you? You would click yes. And then if you, the next question was, are um, obeying his commandments and principles good for you? You would click yes. But somehow when it comes to like everyday life and we're like, ah, you know, if I just lied right here, it would get me out of a lot of problems. We don't actually think necessarily that God's intentions are best for us. I know this is something that we all struggle with. Like, like, I don't think I'm alone in, in my struggle with this sometimes. One thing Milton Vincent said at the kind of end of the book is we have to start controlling our thoughts on how we view the principles and commands of God. Like when God says like, hey, love, love your neighbors. He's not saying it because he wants to add another thing on our to do list, but it's because it's like that's the best thing for us. When he says like, hey, be wise with your money. It's not because he never wants us to have nice things. It's because he wants us to have a a life that is honoring to him when he says like, hey, don't lie or don't steal or, or, you know, the 10 commandments. It's not because God is out to get us. It's because God loves us so much. And he's just like, like a father from heaven being like, hey, if you do these things, it's going to hurt you. I is not, I'm not giving you these lists of rules because I want to make your life miserable. I'm doing it because if you do these things, it will hurt you. And because I love you and because I'm your father, I don't want you to get hurt. And I think of like my own dad when he would be like, Hey, Lane, like, are you sure you want to do that? Or if I was going to make a really dumb decision, he'd like gently pull me aside and be like, Hey, Lane, like, I'm not telling you what to do. But like, just think of maybe this instead, or maybe think of the implications this decision could have and always in a very loving way and for my best interest at heart. And that's so much what God has for us too. So when we're thinking of all the things, like all the commands that God has given us to live in a right way, um, so often we really just need to take control of our thoughts towards them. And instead of thinking that God is out to get us, think instead that it's like, you know what, if I do the right thing here, Not only is God pleased by my actions, but it's also just the best thing for my everyday life. And I know like I get into a messy habit of not necessarily thinking this is true. 
But the moment we can kind of capture those thoughts and try to put right thinking into them instead, it's so much better for us in the long haul. So homework for this week, um, really simple homework, actually. Uh, all I want you to do and that I'm going to do too this week is every day, pick out one part of the gospel and just think of that part of the gospel all day. So maybe you're thinking through the fact that Jesus died for our sins, or maybe you're thinking through the fact that like Jesus was born as a baby, or maybe you're thinking of the fact that like Jesus lived a perfect life and just kind of behold the, the beauty and the glory and the majesty in that one section of the gospel. And like all day, just kind of put it through your brain, thinking it through. And by the end of the week, just seeing how that really transformed how you thought and how like your mood and just how you were able to think through the gospel in a really positive way. Anyways, I hope you have a great week. See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that the ministry of Route 150 helps you on your road to becoming more like Christ. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to FBC and we'll see you next time.